the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're underway on a Wednesday. It's the 20th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Big treat for you today. we got Kirsten out today, even though it's a Wednesday, because he was not able to be with us yesterday. So Peter will be with us at 9.35 this morning, <clears throat> and I know he's got a lot of very important issues that he wants to discuss with us. And then also this morning, coming up at 10.10, we're going to be talking with Mark Krikorian at the CIS, which is the Center for Immigration Studies. Joe Biden's hand-picked nominee for the head of the uh, um, Customs and Border Patrol is an open borders pro-sanctuary cities advocate who refuses to acknowledge that there is a crisis at the border with over 1.2 million crossings this year alone and over 200,000 a month being the average uh, over the course of the last six months. It is incredible and impossible that this is the case, but it's real. And we're going to talk about that with Mark Corny at the Center for Immigration Studies. Right now, though, before we get started on the top news of the day, oh, and I should remind you, you are, of course, a guest as well, and you are always invited to join us at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just hunky-dory, and we'll take your phone calls. Now, before we get started with the news of the day, what do you say? We rise, patriots. Put your hand on your heart, face a flag if you have one nearby, and join Join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Leftists, Democrats, Joe Biden, Brandon voters, uh, you can go ahead and sit this one out. We know how you feel about liberty. Okay, we're having a little bit of an audio problem here. Oh, yeah, the mute button being pushed doesn't exactly help us. Once again, join us for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic of 
for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We uh, we will pledge tomorrow night at the antibodies party as well. If you have not yet made plans to join us, make plans to join us for the antibodies party that I will be hosting in uh, Lakewood at the Avenue Tap House on Detroit in Lakewood. 6.30 doors will open. About 7.45, I'll give it a little bit of a talk, kind of uh, leading up to if you are watching the football game. I don't watch the Woke NFL anymore, but I know people are rabid about their Browns. So we'll have the Browns on the big screen in the big room, the party room at the Avenue Tap House. And uh, we will have some uh, 50-50 raffles. It's going to be a fundraiser for Citizens for Free Speech as well. And uh, we will say the Pledge of Allegiance among the other festivities at the event tomorrow night. So if you have not yet made plans for the antibodies party, and you don't have to have active antibodies. I just got a call, or not a call, a text message from my friend, the uh, PIM, the PIM, the politically incorrect mechanic, ironically in Lakewood or coincidentally in Lakewood, who thought he had COVID. He's mad because he tested COVID, uh, positive for COVID on two different home tests, he said. And, uh, you know, he had a little sniffle here, a little bit of a, you know, congestion there. And uh, then he was all excited because he thought that test was accurate. And he went and got an antibodies test so he could show that he has antibodies to come to the antibodies party. Come to find out he's negative for the antibodies and never had COVID in the first place. And the interesting thing about that is he had a cold. And a common cold was essentially indistinguishable from COVID <laughs> for the politically incorrect mechanic. He's mad that he didn't have COVID and the positive test that he did. And, of course, that shines a spotlight on another problem. As this country continues to report number of positive cases in every state every day, how many of them are false positives like the politically incorrect mechanics? But I bring that up to point out that the mechanic is still invited to the antibodies party. You don't have to have them, but this is a celebration of those who do, celebrating natural immunity because it's extraordinarily important science uh, in this battle for freedom in this country. And it literally is a battle for freedom in this country, freedom from mandates, freedom from taking the for-profit or the big pharma profit shots, if you will, <clears throat> So we will be celebrating uh, natural immunity at the party tomorrow night at, starting at 6.30 in Lakewood, as I said. If you are antibody-laden, uh, you are welcome. If you are not, but you support natural immunity, you may come as well, and we will not be making you show antibody passports at the door. Uh, so join us for that uh, terrific uh, fun event and uh, obviously a fundraiser as well. We'll have door prizes. We'll be giving away some free stuff. So uh, I want you to be there at the event tomorrow night. Now. Having said all of that, I want to start the day um, by talking about the CDC and the extraordinary chutzpah that they show in trying to guide us and telling us how to live our lives, essentially by dividing us. I've made this analogy before, and I'm going to make it again now. If you recall the leper colonies from a couple of centuries ago, but also really into the uh, 20th century as well in various parts of the world, leprosy being uh, obviously a very, very deadly and debilitating disease uh, and highly contagious, led to the formation of leper colonies in which lepers who were considered to be dirty and obviously unclean and contagious were put into their own communities. Uh, you know, they had their own 
facilities. They had their own little stores. They had their own little, uh, you know, places, uh, you know, to live. And uh, the clean never went near the great unwashed. It's kind of why what made Mother Teresa a saint. Mother Teresa, of course, was known for going to leper colonies. Uh, and 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 cleaning and 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 caring for people who had deadly infectious diseases, but for the rest of us, it was separating you know the the great unwashed from those who were considered to be clean. That is being repeated now, um, as vaccinated individuals are being treated as the great cleanliness uh, crowd, and the unvaccinated are considered to be like lepers, the great unwashed. The difference between the two, of course, is that vaccination does not equal health and non-vaccination does not equal dirty or sick or infectious. Somebody who is non-vaccinated may never ever even uh, 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 get or become infected with the COVID-19 virus or uh, uh, yeah, with the virus and people who take the vaccination, the big pharma profit shots are all, well not all, but many of them are getting infected. So there's really no big difference between the two and yet the CDC presumes to tell us how to spend our holidays. Their new guidance is out. And the bottom line is, if you are on the unvaccinated list, you stay home, you dirty, unclean, germ-bearing, disgusting piece of trash. Stay home. CDC is encouraging people to get their profit shot before gathering. And if you are, and then wear a mask, by the way, regardless of vaccinated status... And if you are unvaccinated, you are being advised to stay home altogether. Delay travel, they say, until you get your vaccination. Stay home, be dirty, be in your own little private little leper colony. And if you have received the Big Pharma profit shot, well, then you can go see family and friends. But don't forget, you must wear masks as well. You see, we have so much faith in the profit shot that... We're requiring people to wear masks anyway, even though the profit shot is supposed to prevent you from getting infected, and it's supposed to prevent you from infecting other people. We don't really have faith that it does either one. That's why you have to wear the mask. And oh, by the way, the mask won't stop it either. This is all a show. It is all theater of the absurd. Get your profit shot in order to stop the spread of COVID. But since the profit shot doesn't stop the spread of COVID, wear your mask to stop the spread of COVID. Except for the fact that the masks don't work in stopping COVID either. And all of the science says so. Not some of the science, all of the science. There is still not one single uh, controlled randomized study that shows that uh, these cloth face masks uh, and these surgical masks work in the general public. Zero. They have lab studies and lab studies only, which, of course, are controlled environments and controlled affixing of the masks to the dummies' faces and whatnot. No, there is no science that says masks and profit shots are going to help stop this, uh, stop this virus. And yet, the mandates are coming, and many of them are already here. Let me give you story number two regarding that aspect of this. The city of Chicago, you may or may not realize, the city of Chicago is a shooting gallery. It is one of the most violent places on earth. It is more deadly, and you are more likely to be shot in Chicago on a random weekend than you probably are in Kabul, Afghanistan. Probably in uh, in uh, Pakistan, probably in uh, 
uh, Qatar or Qatar, I, I don't care. Pick your place where there are all kinds of violent uh, situations playing out. And you're still much more likely to be shot in Chicago, which means one would think they want as many police officers as they can possibly get on the force, on the force and in the streets. But Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she, of course, who violates every COVID rule that she has ever imposed um, on the city of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has told the police, you must receive the profit shot if you don't. Bad things are going to happen, such as you being placed on the no-pay list. You are going to be suspended without pay. And now the latest. If you are one of Chicago's 12,770 officers who have uh, not received the profit shot, and you decide, I'm not going to be not paid for this, I'm just going to retire. I'm at retirement age anyway. I could have retired a year ago. I could have retired a long time ago. I'm just going to retire now. They are taking this to the next level. This is how desperate they are to get you profit shot. They try to tell you it's in the interest of public safety. How can it be when they're willing to take 35% or more of the city's 12,770 officers off the streets in a dangerous place? And if this is about public safety for the individual... Uh, and for the people around them, why would you care if they retire and they're not going to be around any other uh, members of the uh, of the staff? So what they've done is they have suggested the Chicago Police Department is going to be forced, every member is going to be forced to take this uh, profit shot. Otherwise, they face a disciplinary investigation. And according to the rules, apparently, if you are a member who retires while under a disciplinary investigation, you may be denied your retirement credentials, your pension, your retirement benefits. So how can you? How can they possibly try to convince you this is about taking a shot for public health and for, and for your health when you're going to remove yourself from the premises? You're going to quit, retire. So you're not around any other officers. You can't infect anybody if you happen to get uh, get infected. But they're saying even in retirement, you better have this profit shot. If you don't take it before you retire, you're going to be under investigation and thus denied your pension. I want you to ponder that for just a second. Does anybody still think this 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 mandated vaccine these these profit shots are about public health? Anybody at all? When they are laying off nurses and healthcare workers, when they are laying off or firing police officers, do you really think this is about uh, about public health or is this about compliance? Remember, they don't want science; they only want compliance. They don't have the science. But you are supposed to comply anyway. You will comply or you will be fired. And if you choose to retire before you get fired, you will not receive your retirement benefits. Comply. You have no choice. I said this on yesterday's show with different examples. And it seems like I could do this probably on a daily basis with new examples each day. And I'll say it again. We once lived in a free country. That country is no more. Right now, today, we do not live in a free country when this can be done to people, when their retirements can be threatened or taken away. If they don't take uh, a profit shot of unknown uh, substances that will have unknown effects on people from a short to a long term period of time, 
when that can be forced in order for people to simply receive the retirement benefits that they have coming to them, it is no longer a free country. Does that mean I'm abandoning it? Does that mean I'm giving up? Does that mean I'm ready to accept socialism? Hell no. I will fight and I will ask you to fight alongside me, but understand, we are not fighting to defend freedom any longer. We are fighting to regain it because it has been taken from us. It's 922. I'll be right back. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 925 will continue on AM 1420. The answer, don't forget, Kirsten now coming up after the bottom of the hour at 935. I know it's an unusual time, but if you uh, always set your clock by making sure that you hear Peter Kirsten now, this is the time, 935. Pete will be on with us. Right now, we'll go to Cleveland. Tim, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, Good morning, Tim. Talked to you a couple times before, and I just wanted to comment, you know, I'm an attorney in Cleveland. I do uh, criminal defense work. I call it constitutional defense work. But um, the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas put out a mandate right after good old Joe did back in August that uh, anybody, so as a criminal defense attorney, a lot of times we are put on what's called the assignment list or the appointment list. You know, if you can't afford an attorney, one will be assigned to you. Now, we're not the public defender's office, but as private attorneys, a lot of times we do it. It keeps us busy. We don't get rich from it, but uh, we're also representing people who can't afford attorneys, one of your rights as an American citizen. Um, well, the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas has decided that um, if I'm not vaccinated, I am to be removed from the assignment list, whereas if I have a retained paying client, I'm free to walk into the Justice Center at any time and represent them. But as a punishment, if I do not get the jab, I will be removed from all assignment lists. Now, I did put an exemption. I, I anticipate it will be honored. But uh, I just wanted to comment on this because this is another situation where it's forced compliance. It has nothing to do with the science, whether I've had COVID or not. And it's, it's, it's taking away representation by very capable attorneys for people who need that representation who are accused of a crime. So in order to, and I think you used the right word, punish you, punish you for being, you know, non-compliant, to punish you for thinking on your own and deciding for yourself what is best for your health and for the health of uh, the people that you come in contact with, they're going to actually put other people at risk. Because you're right. That is extraordinarily important work. People need that rep- representation. And then they're going to chop you up. What happens, just out of curiosity, I don't know how many people are on that list, how many attorneys are on that list uh, uh, to uh, provide public defender, you know, assistance. But what if what if the vast majority of them say no? We're not getting shots. What are they going to do? Shut down the legal system? They're going to force these people to go in and defend themselves? I mean, what would they do? Well, that's the issue. that's the problem because the public defender's office is so overwhelmed, which is why we have an assignment list mm-hmm. to catch that overflow to private attorneys. Now, I know that there's not such a great abundance of attorneys out that you know they're just picking uh, them off trees to say, okay, you get a lawyer, you get a lawyer, you get a lawyer. So I don't know the number of people that are either going to file exemptions or, you know, just not going to get the vaccine, but um, it definitely could have an impact um, on persons because a a lot of these people who are charged with crimes come into the court and, you know, they can't afford an attorney. And as you know, one, you know, if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed to you. That's right. Um, And that, that could definitely have an impact. 
So and that's where you I come just, in, willing to do the work. Yeah, willing to do the work, and uh, and and to to now be told, nope, you're not going to be on the list anymore. You know, as I say. I, you know how they can claim that this is in the you know for the betterment of society for the betterment or for the for the for the public good these mandates is impossible for me to understand they're putting cops on the sideline they're putting def- uh, health professionals on the sideline if they don't take the profit shot and now they're putting lawyers like you on the sideline as well that's not for the betterment of the public that is only going to cause more harm it's not quick question bob are you going to be at the medina gop dinner tonight I am not, actually. I'm unable to make that one uh, as I continue. And thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it, Tim. Uh, as I continue to make plans for tomorrow's antibodies party, I am not actually going to be at the uh, event tonight, uh, but I understand it is going to be a fantastic time with Laura Trump being the keynote speaker and my friend Peter Kersenow. He will be uh, making a speech tonight at the uh, Medina GOP uh, finance dinner as well. And maybe I'll ask him about that in uh, five minutes from right now because he'll be my next guest right here on AM 1420, The Answer. of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 936, let's uh, continue, and it's a special treat for you, a Wednesday serving of Peter Kersenow. Pete, of course, is our normal Tuesday guest. Pete was busy yesterday. He asked if he could come on later this week, and absolutely we will accommodate. Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's a Cleveland attorney. He's a best-selling author and a columnist, as well as the host of the Kersenow Report. Hey, Pete, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Bob. How are you? I'm doing all right too, my friend. Hey, listen, uh, I understand you're going to be having a, 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 a making a little presentation tonight at the Medina County uh, Finance Center. You know, I'm glad you reminded me. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the second time that's happened. I think. Well, I've reminded you of your schedule, and you didn't know. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I did remember. I mean, uh, but it wasn't until just a short time ago. And no disrespect. I mean, uh, this has been something that's been scheduled for a while. They, they changed the date. Laura Trump is going to be there at Medina uh, Republican Party Finance Dinner. Uh, should be great. I'll be uh, giving my usual, uh, you know, uh, stemwinder speech. And um, uh, if you, you know, if you've been invited, if you have an opportunity to come, please come. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, no question. It's an important event too. Uh, make make no mistake about that. I wish I could be there, but I cannot. Uh, okay. Peter Kirshenow, I want to talk about a couple of things regarding critical race theory. Number one, you just wrote a new piece, you along with uh, Christopher Ross and Maximus Nikitas. Did I say it correctly? Yeah. I think. So you did a little joint work here um, with uh, those two individuals about critical race theory and how it is being implemented in schools by way of being taught to the teachers. Uh, I want to talk about that, and, and we'll tie this in with the news that we got last week, which was that the very controversial critical race theory-driven um, uh, curricula order, and I'm trying to figure out what to call Resolution 20, uh, that we have been fighting about since last June, June of 2020, right. finally was rescinded, which is great news. Uh, that's a great first step to re- to remove that, uh, you know, that push toward equity, inclusion, and critical race theory and 1619 and all that nonsense from Ohio schools. However, the job is not done. Uh, they have made that very clear. They're still going to look for ways to try to implement that type of education. So, Pete, 
Can you can you kind of combine those two parts of the of the news here? Resolution twenty is gone, but the fight goes on, and the fight is going to come from teachers uh, who are graduating from universities now with their teaching with their degrees and their certificates uh, in critical race theory. Yeah, that's exactly right. Critical race theory is everywhere. We're fighting the battle and we're winning success. I mean, we are we're having tremendous success because ninety percent of people out there, especially parents think that this is the most toxic ideology imaginable. It's harmful to kids, harmful to society in general. And, uh, you know, Resolution 20, of course, was part of the Critical Race Project here in Ohio. They were trying to inculcate critical race theory into the schools. Many of us thought that you were part of the, the, the fight, Bob. Um, but what we were writing about in The Federalist, that is, Max and Chris, who were my interns on the Civil, uh, on the Civil Rights Commission, they're both law students, um, is the fact that this is not going away anytime soon because the, the various schools, the education schools that churn out teachers, are making this front and center part of their curricula. And they're, the, the teachers are being immersed in this. They're indoctrinated in this. And when they come out, they're expected to carry the ball and continue to promote critical race theory in schools. And we combine that with the National School Board Association, which you know asked Mayor Garland to do something about these pesky parents who didn't like their kids being called racist and taught this toxic ideology. And Mayor Garland comes out and issues this ridiculous letter invoking... Uh, among other things, the National Security Division of the FBI and others to suppress parents from expressing their genuinely held concerns about their kids being taught critical race theory and all manner of things. This is, Bob, you and I have talked about this uh, several times. Um, We've had a victory. Again, I'll I'll go back. It's a big victory, the rescission of Resolution 20, which we talked about, which is the, the, the impetus behind critical race here in the state of Ohio, in the schools in the state of Ohio. And you know what, uh, let me kind of back up, because I think it's important when we do have victories, because this took the effort of a lot of people, a lot of hardworking and dedicated people, you among them, Bob, because you made it front and center in for the last year with respect to what was going on in the state of Ohio. There was Dan Reginald, there was Kirsten Hill, member of the Board of Education, and Lisa Woods, a former member of the Board of Education, both who struggled mightily and took the brickbats uh, in opposing it. Dan Reginald, of course, Kathy Johnson, John Stover, Mike Goldstein, goes on and on and on. But a lot of committed citizens decided no mas. And it's an indication of what can be done if ordinary citizens decide that they're going to engage in the political process. Um, And again, those are just a few of the people who are involved. Hundreds of parents, individual parents, were involved at the local school board level. Uh, This was a real victory for the citizens of the state of Ohio. But the battle is not over because they're going to keep coming back, as I indicated, because these, they keep churning out more and more teachers. The assembly line is infinite. And, um, you know, some of these teachers are, are people of goodwill, but they're being instructed by their, their instructors, people that they're supposed to respect, who's supposed to know better than them that, you know, this is the way to go. We have to teach these kids how racist America is, tear down America, and also tell, tear, tell them what racist they are. And, you know, they've got no right to live, basically, in the United States of America or elsewhere because they're, they're inveterate racists. 
So the battle, this is just, it's, it's a big victory. We should savor it. But this is just the beginning of it because throughout the entire country, in the various colleges that churn out teachers, this is one of the primary objectives of the socialist left. If they can convince Americans that America, as we know it, is not worth defending, it's a lot easier for their project to succeed. That is, of tearing down America and replacing it with a socialist hellhole. Peter, um, uh, a couple of follow-ups on that. Number one, the victory in Resolution 20 is important. However, um, the work there is not even close to being done. I was talking to some of the individuals that you just mentioned who fought very hard, including Jonathan Broadbent. I don't know if you you put his name in that group. And and also John Stover and Ohio Valley Voters and so forth. Uh, They made me aware of of House Bill 327 now, which needs to be passed in addition to the the, the rescission of the uh, Resolution 20. Now, House Bill 327 needs to be passed because what this does is it adds layers of punishment to teachers who ignore the fact that Resolution 20 was rescinded and continue to teach, if not by name, critical race theory, the components of it, the, the things that make it what it is, the divisive concepts, which is the language that they use here. The Internet is filled, Peter, not just in Ohio, but but all over the place with viral videos of teachers talking about and bragging on their own little you know uh, TikToks and other places about how they get around rules that say they can't teach critical race theory, how they teach diversity, inclusion, and equity instead of um, you know just history and you know history of race in this country and so on and so forth, which needs to be addressed clearly. Um, but they are teaching the anti-racism and the D.I.E. concepts, and they're talking about how they get around it without violating the rules that say they can't put that in their curricula. So once teachers start to do that here, 327 needs to pass here in order to make sure that these people are gone from the classrooms. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things, many of the same people I just mentioned were involved in crafting uh uh, model legislation. I, I drafted a, a piece of legislation. A lot of others tinkered with it. And um, what it does, uh, there there are two competing bills, and I really, you know, I, it, I just want something passed that captures the fact that we have to stop critical race theory in its tracks. And you're right. What's happened is people have talked about critical race theory as something that is, is defined. And critical race theory, one of the most insidious parts of this is it's amorphous. It, it shifts and it changes so that they can avoid being tagged as teaching critical race theory. So they, they can say, oh, you know, like Terry McAuliffe, oh, schools aren't teaching critical race theory because they give it a very narrow definition. So what we're doing here is trying to present a cause of action against school districts and or individual teachers who try to avoid a prohibition or, or restriction against teaching toxic racism by calling it something else. They'll call it, as, you know, who knows what they'll call it, diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Um, but it's, the substance is still the same. But if they continue to teach that, if a school district permits it or, or a teacher tries to circumvent the prohibition, then there are penalties that attach. They can be sued. They, uh, you know, there could be funding that's withdrawn. There could be penalties attached. There can't simply be a prohibition without a remedy. So it, it's not a perfect bill. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, there are a lot of crooks involved, and that's the way politics are. You never get the perfect bill, the one that you think will do the job right. perfectly. Uh, but it's something that's necessary. I think it goes 95% of the way there. And, again, a lot of people have been working very hard to make sure that kids in the state of Ohio aren't subjected to this socialist, racist lunacy. 
Yeah, it is all of those things. Pete, back to the Federalist article that you wrote <clears throat> with your uh, two interns. Um, how much of a role does the NEA and the AFT, the two largest teachers' unions, good, how good much point. of a role do they have in creating and influencing the curricula at the universities that are that are teaching the next generation of teachers? Yeah, well, you can see the influence of these massive teacher unions that have such sway over the Democratic Party in conjunction with, as we saw, the National School Board Association. I mean, they, they are colluding together. There's, you, you tend to think that the National School Board Association is, uh, would represent so-called management and the unions would be representing employees. That's not the way it goes. This is a symbiotic relationship. And the National School Board Association, as you know, issued that uh, request to Garland to suppress parents from criticizing, among other, among other things, critical race theory. Um, they are the linchpins behind the Democratic Party. I mean, you've, the teachers' unions and the trial lawyers' unions are the biggest donors to the Democratic Party. They hold tremendous sway over the policy prescriptions of the Democratic Party. So if um, the, the, teacher, the various teachers' unions embrace critical race theory, which they do, you better believe that in almost every jurisdiction where Democrats are in power, they're going to continue to promote this. So something like uh, House or the, uh, the, the Bill 327 are important because we need the tools as individual parents and citizens to ensure that the powerful unions and all the other huge interests involved here don't overwhelm us, and I think they won't, because we have, I mean, uh, you, the parents I've been dealing with, the individuals I've been dealing with are committed, they're smart, they're, they're tenacious, and we're on, the, we're on the right side. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten out. We've been talking about this now for a couple of years now, Bob, and I think I originally told you about it when the Loudoun County folks got in touch with me before anyone even knew about Loudoun County. And then others throughout the country were getting in touch with me. The, the horror stories you hear that aren't sufficiently captured, I don't think, even on Fox News or anywhere else, about kids being browbeaten in hor- horrific ways about how they are racist and they've got unearned privilege. And now we've got this, this meme promoted by the left that uh, two-parent family is a racist construct. I mean, the, the lunacy, the insanity. If the communist Chinese had concocted a plan to tear down the United States of America, they couldn't have come up with a better one than this one. Yeah, and you know, Pete, um, they tear down two-parent families, unless, of course, they are two same-sex parents. Then those are celebrated, like Secretary Pete and uh, and uh, uh, you know his, his little family that he's put together. Yeah, here we so. have a cabinet individual who takes a two-month vacation yeah. during the biggest transportation crisis of our lifetimes. I mean, what's going on today, Bob, is unforgivable. But the good news is, as evidenced by uh, the rescission of Resolution 20 and House Bill uh, 327, is individual parents, individual citizens can take the initiative and change the country for the better. Or not change the country further. We keep hearing about change, 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 change. You know, I've see, heard all this change at a time when I was living in the greatest country in the history of, of civilization, and they wanted to change it. And they've gone a long way toward doing that by incredible they inflation. Have yeah, they've changed it tremendously. Tremendously they've changed it, and I can't tell you that's for the better. 
No, it's definitely not. I said before you came on, Pete, we once lived in a free country. We do not anymore. And that doesn't mean I'm surrendering. I'm saying literally right now, the way things are, we do not live in a free country. People's rights have been taken away from them six different ways from Sunday. And right now, rather than fighting, as we always say, you know, Larry Elder likes to say, we've got a country to save. We've got a, a country to defend. It is no longer defending this free country because it's not free anymore. Now it is our mission to regain that freedom because it has been taken away from us in many different ways that you have talked about and I have talked about and I'm going to continue to talk about right after this time out as we continue with Kirsten now on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 9.53. I've got seven minutes left with Peter Kersenow on AM1420, The Answer. Pete, I want to hit two quick ones in the seven-minute period here. I want to take advantage of your experience in labor law to ask you about what's going on in Chicago. According to the reports out of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is demanding that every police officer, along with every other uh, citizen, or excuse me, employee of the city, uh, take the uh, profit shots. And if they don't, they can be disciplined, including put on no-pay status, which I guess means suspended without pay. Apparently, some 35% of the city's 12,000-plus officers uh, are not jabbed, and they don't plan to get jabbed. Many of them plan to retire. According to the reports are, what the reports are, Pete, the Chicago Police Department will place anyone who does not get the jab under a disciplinary investigation for their refusal. And if one retires under disciplinary investigation, one cannot collect their pension. Or at least it says retirement credentials may be denied. Can you explain this to me? If the people are willing who aren't getting jabbed and who are thus presenting this great threat of disease and infection, if they choose to leave the department and retire to the privacy of their own lives or in their own homes, why then would they want to subject them to, uh, you know, the denial of their pensions? Yeah, well, the, it, I'd have to look at the collective bargaining agreement first. I'm not familiar with the Chicago um, Police Departments and, and Chicago collective bargaining agreement, but it's not necessarily uncommon. I'm not justifying this. It's not necessarily uncommon to have uh, provisions with respect to the receipt of pension being contingent on having, you know, not violated any kind of disciplinary rules or any, or you know, engaged uh, in wrongful conduct. As I said uh, several times on your show, Bob, just because something may be lawful, and I'm not saying that it is, I'd have to take a look at the collective bargaining agreement, but just because something may be lawful doesn't mean it's right. And here, this is astonishingly wrong. Everything about this seems Soviet, if it's not outright Soviet in its application. The fact that you would take these guys are heroes. I, I understand that in the last Thank two you. years, right. all these idiots out here who have their own private security and don't have to worry about crime have been talking about defunding the police, have been going after the police, and I'd like them to spend maybe 15 minutes in a squad car, maybe about between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, riding down you know, in Chicago, in Englewood, or in Cleveland, wherever it may be, and they'd get a better appreciation of what these guys go through, and maybe be a little bit more circumspect before subjecting them to these draconian edicts. Now, I happen to have been vaccinated. I've got no problem with the vaccine, but I like to think that in the United States of America, you've got some leeway. Uh, you know, as I've said to you on your, on your program before, when it comes to employment, employers are given wide latitude with certain restraints, wide latitude to require employees to, for example, wear masks or uh, have proof of vaccination, something of that nature, as a condition of employment. The caveats are, of course, whether or not getting the vaccine or anything of that nature has, uh, you may have a religious exemption to it, and that's not absolute, 
or you may need an accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act, okay? Um, and, and there's some other little small things that aren't worth mentioning. Uh, the same applies to Chicago uh, police. You'd have to take a look at their collective bargaining agreement until, uh, in addition to everything else because it's conceivable that collective bargaining agreement may have restraints on management's ability to require officers to do certain things. Um, I've not been following Chicago closely, but I have heard the Chicago, um, uh, the head of the police union there, talk about, say, something about the fact that he thinks it's a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, maybe there need to be bargaining with respect to this edict. Who knows what it may be? Uh, but just because it may be lawful, and I'm not saying that it is, I don't, you know, it's not clear cut because I have to take a look at the collective bargaining agreement. Employers do have certain rights, but that doesn't mean it's right. And I think as Americans, we have to stand up for what's lawful, and what's right, and, and what Chicago and some of these other blue cities have done is just fundamentally wrong as a matter of American principle. Um, there you have it, Bob. Uh, we're seeing this metastasize throughout the United States, and it seems to be predominantly among blue jurisdictions at the government level. As you've said a number of times, it seems to be less a matter of public health than it is a matter of obedience, a matter of being able to dictate to the forced compliance. what That's you it. can forced do compliance. exactly to acculturate people into obeying the government, uh, not laws, obeying the government, and also to restrict certain rights to the benefit of that government or that political party. This is a dangerous prospect. We've talked about it for a long time, and it's not simply because people have firmly held beliefs about it. Um, doesn't mean that it doesn't have broader implications for society as a whole. We are seeing the erosion of certain American concepts. Now, there's, it's true, we've got an overriding consideration in terms of we've got a public health hazard here that needs to be addressed. I happen to think that they're addressing it in a boneheaded fashion, and we have to be very careful about a temporary... We don't even know how long this is going to last. It could be with us forever. Are we ever go, we're going to have these kinds of things in place forever and ever. But we have to be concerned about implementing... Uh, a purported remedy that erodes our freedoms because it's more difficult to get freedoms back than it is to remedy a health situation. Well, it's impossible to get freedoms back. once you. And this is what I've been saying all along. Once they convince every person in America, and Joe Biden said 97 to 98% of us have to get this for us to get back to normal. Once they get 97, 98% of the people to agree to take a, 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 an unknown toxin with unknown side effects into their bodies against their will, then they are never going to let you have some yep. of that freedom back. If they can get you to do that, which is about as personal yep. of a thing that they can take from you as your own right to choose what's in your body, then they can take everything from you. When is the last time the government ever took something away from you and then later gave it back the answer yeah, that's, to that, my knowledge is never that's 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 a great observation bob that's that nails it completely right but there's good news driving into work today it doesn't take me long to drive into work because i live in the city of cleveland i'm very close to my office um but driving into work today just in a short drive i passed two cars one that had a back license plate didn't have an ordinary license plate the license plate had 
the more um, uh, aggressive version of let's go Brandon on it. I was stunned. <laughs> I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. And then another person had a bumper sticker that said the same thing. Again, the more aggressive version of let's go Brandon. Now, I don't necessarily approve of using that kind of language, okay? I've got to say that as a caveat because there are kids listening and all that other stuff, and I always sure. raise my kids that way. But nonetheless, I have to admit, I had great satisfaction. I beat my horn, gave him the thumbs up. <laughs> uh, so th- I think a lot of Do people You realize that's are, number one on the iTunes charts now. It is the number one downloaded song on iTunes. <laughs> is Let's Go Brandon. It's a hip-hop song. Uh, and I can't play it on the air because it may or may not have actual language in it that we can't do. But, but yeah, I think it's fantastic that this has become literally the, you know, the talking point of the nation. Uh, Pete, thanks for coming on. I'll tell you what, I'll text you around 4 o'clock. Remind you, you got a speech tonight, okay? <laughs> thanks, Bob. All right, take care, Pete. It's 10.01. We'll come back, uh, talk about the porous southern border and the danger that it represents for all of us. All of us, not just in the border states. But all of us, Mark Krikorian, Center for Immigration Studies, will join us on AM 1420 Begins. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 